Hey, Tucker. Hey, Todd. This part's going to be pre-recorded, so act professional, okay? I'll do my best. This is the Tucker and Toddcast, a podcast in which we write adventure stories for our YouTube sketch show. I'm Tucker. And I'm Todd. Okay, now we can get on to the show. Hooray! <sighs> Confetti. You, you want to bring the boys in before you do a sound test? Do I even need the sound test? I don't know. Keep talking. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Edward McGinty. That's a, that's an interesting name. What did Edward McGinty do? Uh, my first instinct is to say that he was a groundskeeper. Does that sound like an interesting thing? Does that suit his name, do you think? Yeah, actually, it's suspiciously appropriate. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, almost too good to... It could only exist in fiction. It must. I feel like. It, do you think it's suspiciously familiar? Because that's an actual thing. Now I gotta look it up. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a real person. You are a little quiet, but you're good and clear. Am I quiet? Is it so? Right now, am I quiet? You're sounding good now. How, how okay, am I? I'm, I, I, I might have been uh, getting a little bit away from the mic. Why do you gotta stay so far away from me? Because I was. Heading over to the other monitor to look up Ed McGinty. Fucking Ed. I look at my monitors like I'm 65 years old. <laughs> I I had to switch up my microphone's position so that it was more to one side. The one side that happens to be the monitor that I favor looking at. Yeah, it's a real ballet. I think I have it pretty good, though. So... You sound all right. I guess that means Giark can come in. Oh, yes. Giark is ready to go. Join Giark. Welcome, Craig and Giark. Welcome to the both of you. We haven't heard from uh, Craig in a really long time, so I just wanted to... I wanted to take the opportunity to give him the opportunity to tell us a little bit about himself. Well, I didn't technically know I existed until I was about 37. Oh, well, certainly. I would love to hear him jabber about himself. Uh, yes, as I was saying, I was brought into consciousness by... I don't know what he's going to jabber about. Hopefully it's not from any sort of random catchphrase website. And hopefully it's not, like, weirdly politically charged or mildly racist like I expect computers to do these days. Oh, I don't know. Like that one, uh, that one computer program that was supposed to be a learning program that came to the conclusion that gay people were bad for some reason. I don't remember that, but that sounds like it would have happened in like 2012. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't remember when it was, but like everybody, every computer that or every computer, every company that was interested in software and computing was creating their own little artificial intelligence that would learn from people submitting stuff and it, and from it combing like articles and other data and text from the Internet. So, of course, if it's going to be browsing the Internet, it's going to come up with some fucked up opinions. I guess ultimately, like mostly what it's going to find is that's the, I, I mean, that's also the uh, what is it? The not juxtaposition when one thing it's, it's sort of like a catch 22 or whatever, whatever the proper term is for that, where in all of the things that you see on social media were put there by the types of people who engage with social media and therefore all of the things on the internet are going to be put there by the people who are on the internet. I don't I don't know if that is a catch 22, but it there it certainly is a sort of cycle paradox. 
paradox is the word I was looking for. Oh, that reminds me. I have another paragraph I have to include into the outside write-up because paradoxes don't exist there. Oh, I started. That's, oh, that's interesting. Paradoxes don't exist there. As in, Isn't that as in, in none of the things that occur there are paradoxes. You can be in two places at once. That's not a problem. Right. You can run into a quantum duplicate of yourself. That's not a problem. The, the, these things are impossible in material reality, but they're not a problem in the outside where those rules don't apply. It's only a paradox if it's against the rules. Does it follow then that things that are only possible in perceived reality are impossible in this place? Or they're all name name one thing. Name one thing that would be possible in material reality that wouldn't be possible in the outside besides a mother's love. (laughs) Assuming that it's impossible in the outside simply because it is only possible on the inside. I can't remember if I said outside or inside in the first place. This, this I, I can't I can't think of anything, but I do know that lots of things that are impossible in the inside occur naturally in the outside. I guess that might be worth exploring someday. Something that's actually anathemic to the outside, despite it being kind of the source code for everything else. That would be yeah, weird. That's its own premise. That'd be weird that we that we. uh introduce something to the outside that actually fundamentally disagrees with it and possibly damages it and then threatens all the rest of creation that way. Oops. I mean, the way that you said that, the first thing that I imagine is the the trope in which we try to bring someone through the curtain, but they they don't come through. They're blocked. Somebody can't go outside. Oh, you mean they get bounced at the door? No Hitler's. Well, I mean, that is I mean, that is its whole thing. They don't get bounced out the door. The bouncers allow them through, but they can't come through. Yeah, I, I, I understand the reality. The, the, I suppose it's not the reality. It's it, the, the realm just kind of rejects them. Princess Vanellope. You shall not pass. Yeah. Anyhow, should we get into our premise for this week? We've got so much. to. Yeah, choose. we should. We have a lot to chew through. And so was your LOL, LOL, a a response of agreement to the idea to circumvent the beginning? (laughs) Yes, I I like doing that kind of thing. It's it's if we handle it correctly, it would be very funny. It would probably be more funny than doing it properly. Would it be funny to kind of like so I guess I should actually refer to what it is for our kind audience. Hey, kind audience. Welcome to the Tucker and Todd show. Welcome. Toddcast. I changed the name a while ago. Anyway, I guess, I guess you just unchanged it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I changed it. Nothing matters. The uh, nihilism for everyone. There are no paradoxes in the outside. That's true. Anyhow, what we are doing this week is last week we had Matthew McConaughey had busted through our wall and his army of Abaddon thuggies were going to. Is Thuggies an okay thing to say? Uh, according to uh, my very limited knowledge, probably not, because I think that's actually a cultural practice. But I think we can call them thugs. I feel like my brother wrote like a dissertation or something like that on the thuggy cult. Yeah, and I remember them showing up in an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, and that's that's yeah, the full extent that, that of my knowledge of them. Extremely- they can pull. Yeah, don't say their name in vain because they can pull your heart right out of your chest. 
Kanam Shaddai. Yeah, what was it? Kali? See Kali in hell. Yeah, I don't know. Tossed a guy off a bridge and he got ate by crocodiles. (laughs) A lot happened in that film, and I don't know how how, uh, thoroughly researched any of it was. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know either. I think that's probably I think that is probably part of the motivation for why my brother wrote a dissertation or a, what is the other thing a thesis or whatever on yes. on the thuggy was because we had seen is that is uh we had seen Temple of Doom so many times and I think it's I think what happened to his brain is a lot of what you are seeing in Generation Loudmouth right now with having been presented a view of reality through pop culture. And then being like 20 to 22 and being given a little taste of perspective of what else is actually going on in the world and how uh, foggy and untrue a lot of what you were given as a child and spoon fed was. And everybody got mad and and not a lot of people knew what to do with the mad. My brother decided to stick to academia and just keep researching it and telling other people about it. So so he decided to be the solution instead of being mad about the problem. Well, see, I don't know ultimately, and I guess I I don't haven't had a deep conversation with him about it, but I I suspect a little bit based on things that he has said that he would also tell you that at the end of the day, the only people that ever actually uh, engage with what is um, created and manifested by academia are academics, and so ultimately, I don't know if you if you would say that it's a solution to anything other than having more conversations, but it, I mean, obviously, that's important. And and that's that brings us back to the same cyclical sort of paradox with people on the internet. Yeah. Hey, it kind of all feeds into each other, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it turns out that every community, if it happens to be a closed community, only has access really to its own ideas. Right. And it, yeah. I don't I was I was about to breach the breach, broach. I was about to broach, broach the topic. But I hey, I'm okay with breaching a topic as well. well Let's yeah, just penetrate it deeply. We'll breach the hull of the topic to then broach it, and then I will pin a brooch on your mom. Gosh, this is getting personal. Question mark. Um, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he had just busted into our joint. We're uh, we're currently immersed in our beach simulation. Right, we were immersed in a beach simulation. And then so at the end of last episode, we led our audience to believe that the beach simulation had been interrupted by this. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the beach was interrupted by the breach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were encroached by the brooch. <laughs> and so I distracted myself with the rhyme. <laughs> oh yes i remember what it was it was gonna be uh the the this now we are picking up this episode the the simulation the breach was actually part of the simulation so the simulation was to begin by having a calm day at the beach to then be rudely interrupted by magical mystical forces and i'm thinking maybe the simulation either ending or the 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 breach in general can make some sort of reference to the, oh, I'm going to get the name, the Kobayashi Maru. That is correct, actually. It is the Kobayashi Maru. That's supposed to be the uh, the unwinnable challenge. It's not about whether or not you win. It's about how you deal with failure. And so isn't, isn't, isn't Kobayashi the name of the guy who eats hot dogs real fast? Oh, man, I shouldn't have been taking a drink when you asked that. <laughs> so I have, if- I have no idea. 
I think that's a true thing. I think not the current, but the previous world champion of like speed eating was a guy named Kobayashi. So I think it would be funny if we made some sort of cross reference of like in our in our our simulation is ruined by a guy speed eating hot dogs. And we say something about failing the Kobayashi Maru. So long as we spell it out clearly enough, then the reference will pass. It will pass muster as long as it doesn't cut the mustard. But no, it has to pass muster. It passes the mustard. It better, and it better be some nice spicy mustard. I don't settle for anything less. This episode is brought to you by French's. Go ahead and sponsor us if you dare. <laughs> With your mustard. <laughs> Especially if it's spicy. I hope I would like to be the first. Uh, I don't What do you call this? Comedy writing podcast sponsored by mustard? We're in the pocket of big mustard. <laughs> They're influencing, they're influencing our narratives. It'd be funny if our narratives all started taking a very mustard-heavy slant. Oh, well, hopefully this slant is steep enough that we can actually get this ball rolling. (laughs) So what's the purpose? What's the purpose of our simulation? Is it actually a training simulation? And do we, do we know it is? Or is it being imposed upon us by, for instance, Plato? See, that makes sense because it doesn't really make sense for Tucker and Todd to be so proactive that they would be. I mean, the trope is that they would be preparing for battle because they know something big is around the corner. But it it is not in the character of Tucker and Todd to actually prepare for battle. So, yeah, no, uh, they're they are not proactive. They are not organized. It's not in their nature to plan or, you know, work on tactics of really any kind. They kind they just. They get the bunny costume, they make sure they've got like snacks and uh, they they paint those black lines under their eyes and they're like, we're good. Well, I, I is it that or are they kind of like they're in the back row at detention kind of thing where they're like, fine, we'll do Plato's thing. But they've got like oppositional defiant attitudes. Well, that's why I'm kind of thinking that they're not aware that this is a training situation and they think they're actually just going for a nice day at the beach. <laughs> maybe they maybe they don't even know that they're in the the studio's green room and they they've actually been tricked into thinking they've gone to the beach for real oh so they are having a good time and plato keeps calling is plato oh is plato dressed like a a 90s dad and is is he kind of doing the like trying to get the kids interested in the beach activities thing what's that movie the great outdoors is this are we going to do a bit of a great outdoors thing where he's like trying to get his his kids invested in nature and 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 the whole attitude but we're we're like we just want to make sandcastles over here or whatever he's trying to i I bet i bet the the boys would love to make sandcastles yeah he's trying to get us to like run his little obstacle course or whatever and we're like no we're good at least play some volleyball boys (laughs) something more active and we're like nah i'm uh i'm trying to build this castle wall so i can knock it over later Oh, has Plato has a crowd like convened around him to listen to him speak? Is there like an amphitheater or whatever? Did we make the amphitheater out of sand? Oh, yeah. But yes, I imagine that people would flock to him, which is funny because these people aren't real, but he's just kind of he's he's a charismatic speaker. He must be a, a good orator and he's just kind of taken over. Oh, I guess I hadn't even really thought. I kind of forgot about the fact that they're not real. These people. So do they have 
is there something visual about them characteristically like AI-ish NPC? Well, if you recall, they're all from different genres. Oh, right. I remember that now. Yes. But we like Tucker and Todd might not pick that out. They're they're not hyper observant like that. But this is all stuff that's been programmed into various, you know, scenes and, and set up stuff that's in the simulation room. Right. So so his simulation is just kind of calling from all of these already saved assets. It's basically just like a whole bunch of different unreal prepackaged things, you know. Yeah, it's it was, it's it's a it's one great big asset flip. And so each one will have maybe a slight different uh art style as well then. Oh yeah, and at least a couple of them have to speak in Japanese and there have to be subtitles that appear underneath them. Okay, I, I like that. Right in front of our actual real faces. Holy shit, I understand Japanese. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we say that we say that, and then our faces do the little anime thing where the sweat appears at the one corner and the eyes squint up and the mouth droops. Out. Like I'm thinking very specifically Pokemon. When somebody's like exasperated or surprised, they do that, and the, you the, you hear that uh, plastic like dunk noise. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Some somebody ends up standing on one leg and then falls over directly to one side. We should also probably have a couple of glitches like uh, every like maybe like system lag or something where uh, it looks like somebody has a really bad uh, shit millisecond count like uh, they have a bad ping. So they look at least at one point when they're walking towards us, they look like they're kind of darting, darting back and And forth. They pop back. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And and we don't notice. But Plato, Plato will look very concerned. Did they do that joke specifically in the make make love, not Warcraft? Uh, I think they did include a ping joke, but I don't think it was quite like that. And it certainly wasn't on the in the context of trying to fool somebody into thinking it was real. No, of course not. Not that anybody needs to be concerned. Tucker and Todd are not difficult to fool. So we're totally on board. That's why they're always Goldberging. Yeah, we're we're fully on board. We're happy to have a day at the beach. We haven't gotten a chance to relax in a while. But it gets rudely interrupted. Yes, it gets rudely interrupted by Plato's uh, pre-programmed breaching brooch. And we think that's real. Yes, I mean, we think all of this is real. So, of course, we think that's real. Would it would it be funny at all if we're actually on a ship like last time and there's a simulation room on this ship and uh while we're in the simulation and there's a uh the simulated breach occurring there's a real one occurring back at the studio where we're not present oh yeah because i was trying to figure out because i yeah i had said that there would be the breach occurs when we're not there yeah so and, and, and simultaneously if, yes if they're both happening at the same time that's a way for us to kind of speed this along that's even and get easy, and yeah. get a bit of a head start because we're already in transit towards the island. Not only has Plato once again tricked us into boarding a ship, but now he's tricked us into training simulations. Is that the joke then? So as we're we're losing our minds screaming at the breach, a man walks across the scene jamming hot dogs down his mouth and he bonks into Matthew McConaughey who then glitches and disappears and the whole thing shuts down and we turn and we look and we're like what the heck and Plato screams at at Craig I said this was supposed to be like the Kobayashi Maru and Craig says oh I just heard Kobayashi 
and then and then Plato has to explain, okay, boys, that was a simulation. We're on a ship on our way to Mount Poon. Does does the island have a name, or are we just going to the mountain? No, the island has to have a name. We haven't given it a name, have we? No, because M- Mount Poon is the the sort that's the source of crypto, of course. But the island itself needs a name. Okay, so here's a proposal. Fantasy Island is a is a place, right? Mm-hmm. Fanfty Island. Ooh, that's pretty clever. It's a, it's bite. a little it's a little clunky. <laughs> yeah, but it's cute. It's our kind of clunky. I'll bite. It sounds a lot better than it's gonna look written down, I think. We're heading to Fanfty Island. I don't know, it looks pretty good. <laughs> that's okay, yeah. Or do you want it to be FA? I think FA probably sells it better. Faster, I mean. Yeah, that's I like that. Fan NF Oh man, Fan FT Island. It's that'll take a couple of iterations to uh get the pronunciation right. Fan Fan FT Island. It won't work with liquor. What, like liquor in the front? <laughs> I guess I've never heard that before and it caught me off guard. You've never heard liquor in the front, poker in the back? Oh, I have heard that. Yes, I needed I needed the whole thing. I would love to host a poker game for real. A real poker game? What kind of like where? Well, obviously, I don't have uh, obviously I don't have a round table in a room with a low hanging lamp that I can fill with cigar smoke as we all sit around it and play cards. But I Uh would sure like to. Host a poker game like you hear fellas talking about like, hey, my my buddy hosts a poker game. I took part for years in a Tuesday night poker game. Yeah, I was going to say it has to be on Tuesday night. Every Tuesday. <laughs> Bring cigars and cash. Yeah, that kind of poker game. I would love to. I've played one or two of them in my entire life, and they're they're actually almost as cool as they're portrayed to be. Everybody wears sunglasses. Uh, No, I don't think anybody wore sunglasses. And I overdressed. Is that a premise where a bunch of guys are sitting around and the backs of their cards, it looks like they're all playing poker, but in the same way that kids at school hide comic books in their textbooks, these guys are all hiding like a trading card game behind their poker cards. So they're trying to look like cool guys playing poker, but they're actually playing a fantasy trading card game. Oh, they're playing Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah, but they're hiding it behind poker, wearing sunglasses, smoking cigars, trying to look all cool, pull off the look. Yeah, that probably is a premise. At least for like a transitional bit. Right. We have to we have to go someplace and beat this guy at a game of poker, only it turns out it's a game of Magic the Gathering, which is way more complicated. Yeah, or maybe it's like a scene where where we're we're involved with some sort of law. Oh, the Fargo cops are involved and they're doing a sting. They're doing a surveillance job on these guys and they, they're listening in on a poker match. Ah, illegal backroom gambling. And poker in the back. The government isn't getting its cut. It's just a Magic the Gathering game. That would be embarrassing for the police. Brilliant. Okay, you said a ship. So are we on a boat or are we on an aircraft? Oh, well, we were on a boat last time we were tricked. I'm perfectly happy to be tricked into being on a dirigible, a proper airship. Cool. I love dirigibles. Are we on the Pridwin? Uh, We can be on whatever you want because airships radiate with that steampunk energy that's just so fun. It's high adventure. Airships are just all high adventure. This and so, but this obviously has a big enough like interior that we have like rooms and whatnot. 
Yeah, it's 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 big enough that we have the simulation room, and I assume that the simulation room actually allows us to simulate the entire studio. So we've been tricked pretty bad. Does Plato or Columbo? I don't know. Somebody were does does Annabelle have uh, a sister or a cousin or a family member of some type who is good? Oh, well, then she needs a sister who happens to be a physician. A physician on a traveling zeppelin. Sure. A doctor without borders. That would be that would be about as good as you can get. So a proper a proper messiah complex kind of doctor. Or or do we make it a little bit more sci-fi and she's a she's a researcher doctor and she does she's like she's researching uh, climate change or she's researching something in the clouds for some sort of benefit to humanity that we can figure out later. That's why she needs to be in the sky. I'm just trying to come up with an excuse to use more naval pirate motifs. Well, I mean, we're guaranteed to encounter Annabelle anyway, because she's going to be sent by Bazelbub. If we happen to include her sister, that is going to really complicate things for Annabelle. Hmm. In a good way, do you think? Or is this adding in, to in a, in a, episode? In a way that might actually negate her narrative presence. Her ability to actually be, pose a threat might be negated by her sister. You're right. A, a last episode is a weird a spot too. So maybe, hmm, maybe we can set up introducing this character in next season. In this episode, wh however we're getting there, we borrowed this this uh, dirigible from somebody, or we're 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 uh, hopping a ride on somebody's dirigible who makes a reference to Annabelle's sister. Oh, oh. Well, then maybe this is actually her dirigible, and it's just being loaned out to us. Oh, that makes sense. Maybe Plato made a really convincing case. How we got it isn't important, and Plato will just say, don't worry about it. But as we're going through it, we might find a picture of the sisters together. One of them we recognize as Annabelle, for sure. They're identical, though. Just different haircuts. Yeah. I just realized, have we been missing out for the entire season on providing Plato with the catchphrase, it's not ideal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Somebody presents him with some information and he kind of like turns and puts his knuckle on his chin and says, hmm, it's not ideal. Oh, man. That's been a missed opportunity. I mean, that's, it's a missed that's opportunity. That's going to have to get shoot. That's going to have to get shoehorned into a couple of scripts somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, so yes, he he had enough sway or presented a good enough argument. To, it's not important why we are borrowing this this dirigible, and we're going to have to. Hmm, well, we're getting we're getting popped into the upside down anyway, so we'll figure are, it out. Are we? When are we? When is that going to happen? My intention is the, the very last second of this episode. Oh, that so that kind of does end on a cliffhanger. Yeah, that was my intention was to cliffhanger entirely. So like, oh, well, now and then the beginning, the beginning of next season is kind of a new world order. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I'm I'm down. I wanted to pull the uh, the the tablecloth off a little bit. Yep. That's that's what we're going to do then. I'm all about that. <laughs> so we finally we finally are now we are in the simulation room and Plato has broken the news to us. Uh, we've had a nice, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine all of the scenes that can take place on a dirigible. 
there's a mysterious there's there's definitely going to be a moment where we drop stuff out of a hole in the floor and just watch it fall oh just for fun we're lighting matches and watching them fall lighting matches dropping the occasional box and waiting to hear if it ever goes bang stuff like that haven't you ever wanted to do that straight woman uh chastises us for lighting matches on a on a on a floating uh what's in the the tanks not what nitrogen nitrogen it uh it should be helium if we want to live was it always helium no no it it the no that's why airships in the past have had massive disasters because they were using flammable gas straight woman probably is afraid that we are using flammable gas it probably isn't it's probably helium okay oh the huge manatee there's not a huge manatee gif. Apparently, there's an operating theory that even if the Hindenburg had been filled with helium, it still would have crashed and burned. I don't know. But using a non-reactive gas probably would have been a good first choice. It cuts to a non-reactive gas. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a, it, a puff of gas. Who doesn't laugh? Or who's a cold fish in bed? Probably just like a balloon with a frowny face. Okay, so we're... We're in an airship. I'm going to assume an airship will actually move a little bit faster than a boat. Yeah, it, mo- it will move fairly quickly, but it moves just slow enough to provide us time to create an Ocean's Eleven plan for breaking into this place. Ooh, which we're going to use the simulation room for. Right. Or we're practicing in the simulation room. Oh, is it actually literally, uh, and we end up doing an Ocean's Eleven where we, we, we show the bad guys us breaking into their place and they f- they flip out and come to get us but we were showing them the footage of us faking it in our simulation room interesting or, or as we definitely said, wouldn't come up with a bamboozle like that but plato would yeah i'm not sure how to pull it off but i mean i think i think my, my the way that i envisioned it was we come up with this elaborate plan and we pull most of it off am i interrupting myself with my button coming off i just noticed my color didn't sound like it. Sounded uninterrupted. Okay, this is Todd, uninterrupted. Um, oh, we pull off most of the plan, but then right as we come like barreling through the vent out of the wall or the ceiling or whatever, we drop into the room just as they're finishing their uh, ritual to summon Elrond, and he and we we arrive just in time to uh, witness ourselves fail. Well, we're going to have to experience some kind of reversal before that, because to do the the ritual, they need all 12 of the NFTs, and we have six. Oh, right. They're going to have to get them. Which means we should probably fail quite spectacularly, and we, sh- like, we should have a pretty detailed and rich plan, and like a, a small scene where the plan is demonstrated, you know, what it is, how how it's going to work the steps for everything and then it should probably fail and fall flat immediately and all of the nft should be stolen and then we should just be on the back foot okay so do we kind of do we still kind of stick with the oceans 11 thing where our plan is to trick them into thinking that we are in their place well in fact we are just faking making it look like it in our place but we fail so spectacularly that we were actually in their place and while we were in their place, they snuck onto our ship and <laughs> stole all of our NFTs. So we uh, we actually were in the wrong place. We weren't quite 
we weren't quite as isolated and insulated as we thought we were. Yeah. And, and so we, we have gotten to their place and we've practiced it so many times in our simulation room. And then we finally get to Thanifty Island. And I, it's one of those situations where, um, who is our bad guy here? Basil Bob, uh, or whoever, whichever Lieutenant we currently have speaking like in the way, uh, what would you call it? His, uh, major domo <laughs> is speaking to us through like the PA or whatever. And we shout as they're like telling us that they've won. We shout triumphantly like, that's what you think your security feeds are showing our simulation room. And we turn and we, we, we grab the wall to pull like the mask. We go, like to pull the, 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 the simulation, like to, to reveal it. It's a simulation in some way. We go to pull on some curtains and they're actual curtains kind of thing. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. This isn't right. And the, there's a cackle on the PA and they're like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you fucked up so spectacularly. You tried to trick us, but you tricked yourself. And then it shows us an image of them standing in, in our simulation room holding all 12 of the NFTs. I mean, this twice now we've been tricked by a simulation or a fake version of our studio to get onto uh, now a boat and then an airship, which means that us attempting to use that exact same strategy on somebody else should naturally fail. The third time it gets used, it should be played straight and we're actually in that exact place instead of in a simulation like we thought we were. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then also, should uh, should Plato at that point kind of like hang his head and kind of go like, I tried my best or I don't know. I don't know if he'll even be with us at that point. We probably split up. And oh, that man. that might be the cause for our failure, because as soon as the boys are left unsupervised, things get weird. And in fact, I think it's uh, it's likely and probably important that the boys accidentally crash the airship, too. That's how we arrive at the island. Accidental crash landing. It's still mostly intact, but it can't be used to just fly away. Oh, and as we're walking away, we're looking at it and you're like, that wasn't that bad. And I'm like, not even top three. <laughs> not even top three of our personal crashes and yeah, top five like remember that time with the spaceship who <laughs> it cuts to one of us like drunk and screaming at our our ex's wedding oh yeah that that was the most embarrassing crash that was for sure <laughs> that that was not our finest hour are we ever gonna have the one where it cuts away to like a highway at 2 a.m. and like a, a dead eight-year-old in front of a, a crash, a wreck, I should say. Yikes, that's pretty dark. I, I know it's not actually funny, but I'm, I'm, this is how I am. <laughs> just, just choosing the worst possible thing so that we can back it off and then everything after that seems not quite so bad anymore. <laughs> well, one of those things of like, you know how they spent three seasons setting up that it was a comedy show and then the fourth season ep like opened with... Just um, a massacre. Oh, it's just brutal. Now it's just Game of Thrones without even the thrones. That would be pretty funny bait and switch, though. I think we need to fill in. So I guess like, yeah, between so the, the order of events that we, we make a plan and then we get to a point that we do split up. Do we think do we have any meat to shove in like of the plan? I feel like that was the, that was unnecessarily sexual to shove in the meat. I guess so. Freud was right. God. Ah, all right. So what I mean, it it really depends on where we crash land, how far from our objective. 
because our I assume our objective is Mount Poon. Right, but I guess to be stealthy, we wouldn't want to crash land at the island, or are we trying to hit the island? Well, we we have no choice. We crash land on the island. Okay. Because because uh, whoever's piloting, they're like, we're gonna bring her in nice and easy. We're like, that's not how you do it. You do it like this. Because I don't know, the boys are stupid. Come on, Is it one of let's, those let's do like... something cool. Let's do a power slide. You can't power slide an airship. Fuck, you can't. Is it one of those things where it's like uh, we were the plan was to go around to like the south side of the island behind the mountain where nobody will see us and kind of like put the the airship like uh, a mile off offshore. So just so that we we're, we don't get detected and it cuts to us like, like, OK, so we should be coming around the south side now. And it cuts to like a far a wide exterior shot and a whole bunch of people are on the beach like a close-up on someone's shoulder as they look up and see us passing by. We all look down and we see all the people that were passing by. Like, are we agreeing? Can, can we can we land an airship in the water? Well, not. Can we do a, a sea landing? I didn't mean so much to call it a sea landing, but just to, like, uh, fl- f- hover, float, do- put a oh. big anchor, a big rope yeah. in the ocean. That, that, might, that might be the plan, but we're definitely going to crash land this thing. Right. And uh, yeah, do a whole bunch of people see us as we do? We we definitely would have had like a pre-planned landing zone or whatever, like a a drop zone. Maybe we would. Maybe it wasn't even planned to land. Maybe it was just planned that we would drop off our team, and then this airship would kind of just fly around and remain available for escape as needed. Oh right, that's normal. Yeah. So we we had a, a landing zone planned out for just dropping off, but you know we never make it there because Tucker and Todd crash the ship well away from the intended drop zone, which would have been away from prying eyes and still within a convenient distance from the mountain. But instead, we're on the far side of the island, far away from the mountain, about as far away from the mountain as we could still be while being on the island. And now we're we've crashed it and it won't get up again. And it literally went right over the center of the island where which was populated with bad guys. So oh, or everybody has seen us. Did the place it crash into the place it crashed into is like a scenic. There's like a it's a it's a what's it called? It's like a Mount Rushmore of type. It's a place where a whole bunch of people gather to like specifically stare at it. Oh, There's- you mean we've destroyed a tourist attraction? Yeah, there's like a tons of tons of people on an observation deck with binoculars and shit paying to see a <laughs> crash into the space. There's a whole bunch of like Korean tourists just like barking at us. What is that? <laughs> yeah, what has yeah. happened? And the, oh, and then as we crawl out of the wreckage, they hit us with their brochures. Oh, are we that close to them? Did they did they even did they come at us? I don't know. I like. I, feel I think. Like I think they're watching us. I think they're watching us from a distance. But yeah, we've. Uh, I'm sold. I'm. I'm good with. We've crash landed right on top of some kind of tourist attraction, and whatever it is, it needs to be a funny thing to land on. So it should probably be either somebody's face or some other kind of monument. Some kind of world's biggest something or other. Oh, <laughs> world's biggest dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's the world's biggest dumpster fire. <laughs> oh, somebody comes over and nails on the word fire to the world's biggest dumpster sign. Well, either that or we're slightly on fire. 
No, I mean, we are slightly on fire, but I like the idea that somebody's got their little like gift shop knocked up and it says like world's biggest dumpster admission five dollars. And then now it says world's biggest dumpster. They tack on it as world biggest dumpster of fire and they up the admission to seven dollars also. Oh, I like that. That's some real P.T. Barnum stuff. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. We'll just change the name and charge him extra. I like. It. There doesn't have to be any actual visible fire, but there there is now like billowing black smoke coming out of this <laughs> yeah. world's biggest dumpster. So it is clearly now the world's biggest dumpster fire. So we're gonna we're gonna crawl out and be like coughing and all covered in soot. In the initial planning stages, when we're coming up with the whole like planning it out montage does are we given some kind of specific warning about why we should avoid make sure that you stay as far away as you can from the dumpster like there's some reason we're supposed to specifically avoid that place it happens if the place we nail or should yeah i i assume the reason we want to stay away from it is because it's open to the public and it's a major tourist attraction and there's always a million people looking at it yeah i guess obviously well yeah the the simple fact that there's a lot of eyes there so that's yeah but at the very least you absolutely must avoid this quadrant of the island so obviously that's where we crash land that's great so we crawl from oh man that's not going to look good on the insurance claim we crawl from the wreckage of uh somebody else's airship we're gonna be in trouble later yeah we're not that's gonna be how we that's how that's how we're gonna meet her as we owe her one oh we get sold into servitude and and it does a 10 years later Oh, well, no, she's 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 not going to indentured servitude us. I mean, Annabelle would. Would she ever? But her sister is good and is just going to ask us for a favor. Oh, and we're disappointed. Oh, I kind of wanted to be Sky Captain. The last thing I'm ever going to let you boys do is get back into my airship. Yes, mommy. Shut up, Todd. Okay, so now we're far away from the mountain. And we've been spotted. We're already trending on Twitter. You know what I mean? So we have to disguise ourselves in some ways. That's actually that is that is Plato's plan. We're we're going to quickly hit the gift shop. And now we are all dressed in stupid hats and shirts. We look like tourists. Oh, do we come out looking like, uh, oh, I can't do names right now. Fear and loathing. Yes. Since I've done the drawing already. Yes. Complete with Hawaiian shirts and all that. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I definitely want Tucker to now have like a cigarette stem. I'm going to do the whole thing. And then as we leave the gift shop, uh, we pass another shop and Tucker says, uh, can we go? Can we check out Backcountry? It's a store and it's all Batman apparel, but it's a store called Backcountry. And I say, no, we don't have time. But that's the wrong person giving the line. Okay, the other way around then. Because if if Tucker's going to be dressed as Johnny Depp, then he has to say we can't stop here. Okay. This is bad country. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Although it might be a funny reversal if it were Todd, who's just like, we can't, we can't stop there. You know, we can't stop there. We've been through this. You've told me before. Every time I want to go to bad country, you say no. (laughs) Sure. Let's do all the things that you want to do. No, we don't have time. So we're, uh, we're looking like a couple of tourist idiots. We are now trying to inconspicuously make our way towards the mountain. We have the six NFTs because we no longer have a safe place to keep them. Or did we leave them on the airship? They're in the, are they safe in the world's biggest dumpster fire? Hmm. 
Because I know that if we don't leave them there, then we can't do the scene where, aha, we tricked you. This is just a simulation. They're like, actually, this is real. Because, yeah, because I guess because the plan for that was that in that case, the airship would have to still be in good shape. It's not ruined. It just can't right. fly. It's, oh, yeah, stru- yeah, yeah. it's structurally intact. It could be repaired and made usable. Okay. But it's it's banged up and smoking. And it's, it's upright, inside of this giant it. dumpster. Yes, it's uh, it's upright enough that you can walk through it. Do we have to do any like specific dialogue of like, oh, the left thruster is out. Everything's fine, but we can't go anywhere. Engine's thruster. dead. The engine is smoking. On the, on the Zeppelin. Yeah, the, the engine is smoking. Somebody's going to inform us that it is, in fact, a rigid airship. Fine. <laughs> Everybody's a fucking genius. Yeah, pedantic Pete over here. Okay, so I guess at this point, are we making our way to the mountain then? Is that our goal? Yes, and I suppose that, uh, I mean, isn't the goal to return the NFTs to the source? Right, so I guess we would be bringing yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, if we don't bring them with us, that'd be a wasted trip, which, I mean, would be funny, but that would only occur if it was only Tucker and Todd traveling. We'd get all the way there and be like, fuck my rug, I forgot, I forgot the NFTs. <laughs> Looks like we got to go back. But we have Plato and Straight Woman and and Stan with us and Craig. Somebody's going to remember them. Craig probably has them all like in his robot computer body. Up in his box. Yes. Fine. I will grant you that. Thank you. So yeah, we we are traveling. We've we've got the NFTs. We have to. So we're gonna have to uh oh. Of course, we need all twelve of them for this to work. So we're definitely not going to bring them with us either into the headquarters of the enemy or into a place we think we want to trick them into thinking we are. So we will have to stash them someplace safe at one point. So they will still have the option to take them. We're not just going to keep them in our pockets the whole time. No, I feel like I need to map this out. Just, just do a head map. It's all in your brain. In my fortress. Your mind palace. Mine is more of like a really shitty uh, mind shack. The kind that uh, has been tipped over and all the shelves have fallen off. It's like a mind shanty. Yeah, it's it's in total disarray. It's it's so it's a mind shanty that's been on the receiving end of a hurricane. Also, there's like a little wasp nest in there. A mind favela, not to be confused with a mind falafel. Hmm. None of those in there. That's for sure. There's nothing good in there. okay so if our plan was to trick them into thinking that we were in there i know what it is i know what it is we need to trick them into going somewhere else we need to trick them into leaving their headquarters because we want to go in and steal the nfts that they have right maybe we want to trick them into going onto the airship could we use a simulation to lure them there could we try to trick them into thinking using the simulation that the NFTs are there and which would cause them to leave in force and leave their their base largely undefended for us to infiltrate? Yeah, because I was thinking because I think the way that I'm imagining this, because I'm, I just need to I need to specifically describe in Ocean's Eleven, they trick the casino into thinking that they are in the casino, but they're not in the casino. Well, what they're what the casino is seeing is not in the casino. And then when they run around, they call them in to help. 
and they pretend to be the cops and then as they're pretending to be cops they run away with the stuff and so the way that we we would trick them into thinking that we're at mount doom with the six nfts but we're actually in the simulation machine or do we send do we rig one of their security things to show uh directly like show a feed that happens to be occurring inside of our simulation so we can show them we can show them whatever we want we can show them us anywhere on the island anywhere that isn't their own base of course playing with the nfts like tossing them around like they're softballs playing dad and son catch with them anything so long as it's in a location we can lure them to so that we can try to infiltrate their base now that the entire plan has gone completely tits up Pardon me, anybody with tits. That's basically what we have to do is we need to lure them out. And then and then so while they're out, our intention is to go into their base. Correct. Our intention is to infiltrate. And then oh, and then so what happened was they didn't actually leave the base. Yeah, they probably see through the ruse right away or they send like one person. We do the thing where it's showing one camera feed It is the fake feed. And then we do our whole scheme and slam down the phone and we feel all successful. Oh. And then it cuts to their other monitor where it's not getting the fake feed. No, I, I know now I now know exactly what we need to do. The simulation needs to glitch and start showing the Korean people and the Japanese people and like all of our various like anime tropes. So it like it needs oh, to show from the beach scene. It needs to show the beach scene, but I also wanted to actually like show glitch out and show the Korean tourists that happen to be looking at the dumpster fire. Yeah. Like I, the simulation is proves to be totally untrustworthy. So there we are being simulated playing with the NFTs and then it glitches out and all of the beach goers start showing up. Various other programs start bleeding into the simulation. Oh, it, and then just to really cap it off. So it, it glitches several times and then right at the end, it does the thing where it turn we turn off the simulation it's still recording and sending the stream the feed even though we th- think it's over so the simulation turns off and we're like giggling to ourselves like <laughs> uh, they totally believed it but they're seeing all of them yes and and then it def- it definitely needs to somehow cut out and show that it is in fact an airship in the dumpster right and then it cuts to the other monitor where it shows like another camera's feed of us like tiptoeing to the back door of the the base or whatever. <laughs> only if it only if it plays those little the violin string plucks as we tiptoe. Oh yeah, of course. Do 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 do. Because the, the this is a cartoon. It is. Yeah, because after all, this is a fucking cartoon. I like that one much better. And so, yeah, so we go about is it kind of like in in the similar way to the uh, the parkour sequence of the office? We very seriously go about uh, infiltrating this building, sneaking and rolling and doing a couple Mission Impossible motifs. And then we finally get to the room and we bust in and everybody's been waiting for us and they grab the NFTs out of their hands and they're like, thank you. And now they all have all 12. Yeah, like they definitely let us infiltrate deep into the facility. They they they've left the way right open. They have left all the correct doors unlocked. All of like all of that. We think we're getting lucky, so we're just like, "Hey, this is easy. This is a cakewalk." And then yeah, eventually we walk in and the door shuts behind us and it's just 
the lights flick on and it's just a, a room full of armed guys and they're like ah thanks very much although would i think i think they i think we uh even we aren't so stupid as to bring our nfts into the the enemy base but all they need is to have us locked down in order to go and get them Oh, well, I mean, yeah. So should this this should be sort of a, a, a median flip. So this isn't actually quite the end. This is a, a no, they... this is a this is a they take at least some of us hostage. Oh, because so are none of the none of the uh, upper boss characters are there yet. No Annabelle's or any of them. It's all just Abaddon employees or whoever's like working. At yeah. The... Yeah. It's just red shirt guys. OK, I like that. Dis- disposable thugs. That's all that's. That's all they need to catch Tucker and Todd, at least. Uh, I assume I assume we split up and that uh, Plato and Straight Woman are somewhere else on the island. Oh, so just the two of us get taken prisoner? Craig has the NFTs up in his box. Right. So wherever Craig and Stan is, is where I assume that Plato has determined that they need to stay on the move because that's the only way to keep them safe is to keep them mobile. Meanwhile, the boys have been lured into a trap. They hole up in Plato's cave. Plato and Straight Woman might. Stan and Craig have been informed that they need to keep moving. Don't stop. Just keep wandering around the island and also avoid the dumpster fire, you idiots. I'm kind of curious what Stan and Craig will get up to. Uh, You know what? I think we have time to explore that. Do they have like a little castaway kind of... They, they They rough sleep it out in the in the mangrove or whatever. I kind of assume that they have a, an R2, D2 and C3PO relationship where they bicker because they're not really friendly with each other. They bicker while they start assembling their, their habitat out of bamboo shoots. Do they need to, or can, can Craig kind of partially disassemble into a small habitat? Oh, that's funny. Craig, you just like go, 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 go gadget yurt. Yeah. I, even if it's like uh, Eeyore's little lean-to tent and, and stands under there, he's like roasting a marshmallow on a fire. Yeah, it doesn't have to be big or anything. Stan is quite small. So it's literally just big enough for him. And Craig is still kind of sassing him, even while being uh, a convenient little lean-to. So that they're off having a little camping trip while they've got these these NFTs that technically are kind of resonating with an attractive energy uh, like a magnetism towards the other nfts which is why they have to keep moving because if they stay stationary too long they're way too easy to find i do like that trope i do like that i mean i guess it's sort of what the whole fellowship of the rings is but like the the two and i guess it's even the r2d2 c3po thing the two minor characters who are like cast off alone in, in the wide 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 world while like huge forces are at play searching them out yeah, especially when like uh, first billing characters are currently sitting in metal chairs in like a, a concrete basement with guns pointed at them, just like being nobodies. Are we having our knuckles bashed in like a proper you fucked with the casino scene? Uh, no, we've probably we're we're probably beneath notice, if you know what I mean. Tucker and Todd, they're so unimportant. Everybody is probably more confused as to how we're involved at all because of the way we just bumble our way through everything we're clearly not masterminds and and since we're obviously idiots there's no point trying to get information out of us because it would just it's all stupid stuff 
they try to they're like what are you doing here they try to interrogate us all we do is come up with pop well, with pop culture references and like movie quotes that would be funny do the guards look or sound like specific pop culture characters and we just keep laughing and making references to the thing that they look or sound like okay so we're being interrogated by hans gruber <laughs> yeah just yippee ki motherfucker what is it? Is it Hans Gruber or is it is it Alan Rickman and Jeremy Irons or the two guys that are in there with us? Oh, I like that much better, especially because it's an opportunity to resurrect Alan. Yeah. Uh, sometime next episode, we're going to resurrect Phil Hartman. That's fun. I forgot about our resurrecting abilities. These great people never have to die. Not really. So long as their work lives on, I can continue making references to it. Okay, so we're being interrogated by Alan Rickman and Jeremy Irons. Do they do they have their German accents or are they have they been discarded and they're just speaking their normal normal accents? Hmm. I'm I mean I'm kind of a part of me wants to say that like they are contractually obligated to do the accent accents as long as they're on the clock. Oh, I like that even better. As soon as the the bell rings and it's a time for a shift change, they drop the accent and leave. Yeah, their shoulders kind of droop a little bit and they go back to normal. Oh, thank gosh. That yeah. accent is so hard on my throat. <laughs> so do you want to go get a beer? And uh, and Jeremy Irons says no because apparently they don't get along. I don't know. I only play your brother on television. <laughs> I don't know if it's interesting to you or if you heard this before, but uh, uh, I only just recently learned that Hans Gruber was Alan Rickman's first movie role. And that he got it like the second day after coming to America to like look into Hollywood. His his manager was like, you should look into doing Hollywood movies. And so he got the script for um, Die Hard. And he was like, mm, I don't want to be typecast as, as a villain for the rest of my career. And the rest is history. And then he wasn't. He he got to be a dickless angel in, <laughs> in Dogma. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Metatron. I don't know if I don't know if I would say that he was ever typecast, but he definitely played villains well. He has, and it has something to do with just kind of his demeanor and the the sound of his voice. It's vaguely threatening in a way. Yeah, I mean, like he had to have some sort of realistic expectations. Like, who did you think you were going to be cast as? Like the love interest? You certainly weren't going to be Liam Neeson's dumb daughter's dad. The gay best friend. <laughs> uh, the the bakery owner in just, the small town just imagine the liam neeson uh that little monologue i will find you and i will kill you but said by alan rickman that'd be fun it would actually be kind of like hearing rowan atkinson say it like it would be about that silly hello i'm gonna come and get your daughter back for me we're sorry for anybody in the east end of london we're sorry, but you know what you sound like. <laughs> uh, okay. 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 I I want to know what else is happening on this little camping trip. Ah, uh, the camping trip. I mean, should they also have their own? Li- I, they, they're going to have to have all sorts of like camping tropes. They have time for a couple. Uh, in particular, some kind of traveling camping trope because it's going to be almost like a montage when they're presented because they will stop, pick up camp and move, stop, pick up camp and move because they're kind of 
if anything, it's a deliberate misdirection where they're trying to ping the towers in a way at various locations and keep everybody guessing as to where they are. Oh, they sp- they spell out a rude word uh, with GPS pings. Oh, yeah. I actually, now that I think about it, it makes perfect sense that Abaddon would have technology that is actively scanning the island for the NFTs using the ones that they have to get like resonance energy traces or some kind of radiation tracking ping from the other ones. So there will be like a map of known last locations. And I don't think Craig would do it, but I do think Stan would absolutely try to spell out like a small phrase. Like up yours. Is that long enough or would he say something a little bit more elaborate? Remember, Stan is a is a staunch New Yorker. I'll bet you he would try to spell go fuck yourself. But he only got the go the go F done. Well, I was going to say go fuck yourself. Is that how far he got before they got caught? I don't know how much I'm in. I don't know how how big the letters that you're envisioning are versus how long it would take to cover that ground. I don't know. That's a good point. They probably only have the better part of an afternoon to do this. But they have to get some poison ivy. They have to. Are either of them even a candidate for poison ivy? One is a teddy bear and one is a computer. That's true. <laughs> Maybe that's the joke. Maybe that's the joke. The teddy bear somehow gets poison ivy and Craig has to be like, I don't understand how that's possible. I was trying to think of some scene where they're like fishing. Oh, and uh, Stan pulls up a boot and it happens to be the other boot because one of the NFTs is a boot. Well, that would be mildly interesting. It's the one that uh, Columbo threw away. Uh, one more one more camping trope. Stan's, Stan's got a walking stick. Does he start singing some kind of annoying trail song? I was, would it, as the, when you, my immediate instinct when you say singing is he like sings some sort of like outdated, now when you look back in history, kind of, I guess, racially insensitive sort of anthem. Ooh, that's, that's dangerous. I was just thinking that he was basically doing Donkey and Shrek. Oh, just a, an but, annoying song. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Thanks for volunteering. You're Stan's voice after all. That's true. So anything you want him to sing, you're going to have to make that happen. I guess kind of a gray area blur appropriation. And I say that's just singing a song in somebody else's accent. Well, I mean, I think we we both tacitly disapprove of it, but Stan's going to do it anyway. (laughs) We're not the boss of him. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, uh. We don't we don't condone Stan's behavior. He is out of control. It's the pills. Did I tell you about a song that I submitted to Comedy Bang Bang? No, tell me about it. So I don't know if they do it anymore, but Comedy Bang, I think they switched it up. But Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast used to take uh, like listener submissions for the opening music. And so I wrote a song which I sang with like a, a Caribbean patois. And then uh, Michael Ian Black, who was uh, a, a guest on the show, said that uh, he loved how upbeat it was, but Scott Ackerman, the host, kind of like you could tell was like rolling his eyes and tugging on his collar and was like, ah, I don't know, that seems a bit like cultural, cultural appropriation to me. And that was the that was the uh, the review. But you were you you did make it in. I made it in there. Producer to someone to assume his producer was a millennial who's more sensitive to those things. So that seems like approval to me. Pretty funny, though. 
Plus, Scott Ackerman is the one that loves to go around making fun or not. I mean, he's making fun of, but he does an impression of Adrian Brody screaming Rasta lines on SNL. So Scott Ackerman is Mr. Cultural Appropriation. Whatever. Is, is it if it is it still cultural appropriation if you're actually making fun of somebody it's not. who was doing the cultural appropriation? It's like not. it's once removed. Does it how how many times does it how many degrees of separation does it require before it's a joke again? I guess six. How many degrees of separation do we have with Stan? First of all, he's a fictional entity. Uh he wouldn't he wouldn't, you know, lay off even if we told him to. We can't fire him because he's not real. I mean, those three. Uh, he's I think are good, also so. he's a teddy bear, so he's not human. He can your culture does. He's he's not human. If, if you look at his tag, it also says "Made in Saint Martin's and Kids," which is weird because he's definitely from the outside, <laughs> or at, right. or at least animated by it, because only the outside can make that kind of stuff happen. So he's well, not. Is it really? He's not even from this reality in a sense. Well, that's his explanation. No, the tag was made in the Caribbean. This body was made in the Caribbean. Whatever happens to be inhabiting it was not. Whatever. What We will see where this goes. He sings a song. Yeah, and it annoys Craig. Maybe for the exact same reason as we're slightly hesitant to have him do it. That's uh, That's our out. That's our final degree of separation is that Craig disapproves. I've never heard Craig disapprove of anything. Craig disapproves of stuff Stan does all the time. Well, I guess that's true. Never mind. They don't like each other. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what you're saying. Okay, so the, we've got the we've got the slightly insensitive or at least not subtle enough hiking song. That's that's our three camp and tropes, I guess. They they had their they had their lean to with their mush, with their marshmallow scene. They had uh, somehow Stan got poison ivy. So I suppose the the hiking scene should involve him having like little patches of white cream <laughs> on his fur. Yeah, just just on his little dumb teddy bear body. And that means we can now go to straight woman and Plato. What are they doing? Or are they strategizing? Are they actually wasting all of their time time trying to come up with a new strategy and hoping that uh, Craig and Stan will be able to keep everybody else busy long enough for them to implement it? Like, there's a part of me that wants to say they know, they assume that everything, hmm, there's a part of me that wants to say that they, they can see that things are not going to shake out well, so they've just kind of, like, holed up and they're on vacation now. Oh, they've given the, up. But I also don't want them, I, I also don't think that that is within their character. No, they are proactive. The, uh, they're they're active protagonists. It's Tucker and Todd who are the passive protagonists. We don't really have a goal, but these guys do. So I think that they probably would actually be trying to scramble together a new plan in the hopes that Stan and Craig will keep the, the opposition busy long enough for them to come up with a plan and implement it. And this time, Tucker and Todd don't factor into the plan at all. They kind of assume correctly that we've been captured and are no longer uh, pieces on the board. Oh, that's great. But we're going to crash their plan. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because because they didn't because they didn't involve us in the plan. They don't know where we are in relation to where they're going to be. And we accidentally end up at the place where they intend to execute their plan and we fuck it up for them. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to lure the bad guys along with us to it. Yeah. So once again, we will foil their plans. 
Oh, I like that. As they're about to like put in their, this is not specifically the scenario, but just in terms of laying the scene, they're about to put in their like last bit of code into the terminal or whatever. And we crash through the doors like, hey, guys, what are you doing here? And you can hear like the rumble of footsteps as, the, as, as all the bad guys are heading toward us. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, that's, no. that's the uh, that's a record screech. Uh Oh, yeah, that's probably how it'll play out anyways. And I uh, I have a feeling that that's one of the reasons why we haven't had our knees broken is the intention is to eventually set us loose so that we'll just kind of be a that we'll eventually magoo our way right back to our friends. So I guess over the course of this between so we're we are still I think we were still tied up in their headquarters, though, right? Oh, yeah, we're we're tied to a metal chair. So I think ankles and wrists. I think we need to do a couple things, which is a obviously get free and start heading towards wherever the Plato and straight women are going to be. But we also I think we should in some way because those guys at the headquarters are going to obviously have been in touch with whatever lieutenants of Abaddon of uh, Basil Bub. But I guess we need some way to initiate some of those higher like up boss characters making their way here. I do have a plan for our sort of escape too. Okay. I hope you don't mind, but we're going to make fun of the machine. Like the man, the machine? Like Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're going to uh, start. We're going to at the shift change because there's going to be the shift change. So when the new guys come in, we're going to we're going to start joking with them and think that we're ingratiating ourselves to them and they're going to play along. The only difference is, is they're not actually on our team. So. They're going to they're going to eventually like jo- we'll joke enough and be like, oh, man, my 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 feet are sore. And so they'll they'll loosen our ankle restraints and stuff. And eventually we'll be walking around and uh, we'll be like, hey, you guys thirsty? And then we'll like go make everybody a drink. And uh, eventually they, they will let us go because that's part of the lure. We're going to take them right to our friends. But I, I was, really I really want to make fun of the or this kind of part of the series of events detailed in the machine about how he just like progressively made friends with these Russians. So do we do so we do something when these guys show up, we do we do some specific behavior or activity, some cultural gesture or whatever that ing- immediately ingratiates us. They're like, wow, these guys are cool. Yeah, some we we. They need to be Russian, of course, and we probably need to say something that we don't understand in Russian, which will earn us a nickname that is comparable. I mean, is it a is it a very is it a subtle nod to the machine? We say that we work with cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And they're like, wow. Oh, do we tell them that we are? uh, Oh, who are the guys in Las Vegas? Uh, Siegfried and Roy. Oh, I like that. We work with cats. Yeah. (laughs) and so we start telling them all these great tales and yeah yeah so we we think we've become good friends with them and eventually we basically get stockholm syndrome so even though we've been let off the leash we're just like we we walk right out the door and then we come back with like a drink order or like a pizza yeah yeah so so we could have escaped we went right out the front door we come back with the pizza do they have a whole thing where they come and they find our our shackles on the chair or whatever and they flip out and we come in as they're flipping out and they all laugh and we all cheers together? Yeah, I like that. Does does this need just, another montage? We're having a slumber party with these guys. Yeah, 
I think I think that would be a great opportunity for a montage. We we knock glasses together and stuff, and we're like, hey, we're having fun, painting each other's nails and whatnot, braiding each other's hair, putting in pigtails. Yeah, it's the whole Sandra D scene. And, and then and then of course this is a lulling tactic, and that's our opportunity to we take that opportunity to like leave eventually. Is it a thing? Is it a thing where at one point we're kind of nervously looking around like, guys, uh, I really like hate to break up the great time, but we got to go. And they're all disappointed and their eyes are kind of like misty and watery. And they're like, you guys are leaving. And we're like, yeah, we just we have we made plans, you know, and it's a whole thing. And they're like, well, can we come too?" And we're like, oh, yeah, totally. You guys can come. And we're all excited. Like, yay, we're all on We're off on a, a best friends adventure. I like that better. I like that better. Not not we didn't unwittingly lure them to our friends. We invited, we invited them. them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you colossal fucking, fucking idiots. idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we brought them to our friends. Isn't that great? Now we're all going to be together. And hey then, guys, they're in here. <laughs> yeah, and then we get re-imprisoned. <laughs> They all run in with guns, cut to the next scene. We're all bound up and gagged and we're, oh, well, they seem so friendly. Yeah, yeah we're like, I don't I, I don't get it. He even put these these braids in my hair. He brushed my teeth. We had a cuddle puddle. We made plans to go to Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah. OK, so uh, we lead after we befriend them and they give us our nicknames and stuff. We lead them directly to Plato and Straight Woman. Stan and Craig are still at large, but Plato and Straight Woman have their plan at this point and have been in communication with Stan and Craig because Craig is a communication device. So they have an established meeting position, and that happens to be right where we just led a small battalion. Oh, did we leave the small battalion to Gary Vaynerchuk's restaurant? I forgot we're working that in. Uh, should that be presented earlier? <laughs> I forgot about that too. Is that just part of the general, the general like ambiance of the island, or should we make him a bit more of a uh, important character? Because I did think that was fun. Uh, if you think we can fit him in with the time we have, then yes. Otherwise, for now, ambiance. I can't really, unless there's like this, the place that we were going to meet up, or where straight women told Craig and Stan to meet them was at the at the restaurant. And there's a whole I sure of course Lisa cannoli. I mean, it, it's better than telling them to meet the meet them, you know, at the tree stump. The restaurant is as good a place as any to meet. Oh, is that how they trick us out of giving them the NFTs? Is they require Gary Vaynerchuk requires you to, to give NFTs to get in, so we give them our six, and then now they have all twelve. I don't think we're quite that stupid. Okay, we're pretty bad. We would lead a Russian gang right back to our friends. We did that. But we but we know we're not supposed to give up the NFTs. Besides, Craig has them and he would just say that's not happening. Precisely. Okay, yeah. Oh, by the way, this is the episode where Craig gets his remodeling because he's gonna get dismantled. Ooh. Does I he mean, get dismantled so he has the NFTs up in his box, which means somebody's going to knock on him hit, knock on him with a crowbar. Yeah, bust them open. And says a corny line like, I hate to pry. I mean, I think that's mandatory. That line specifically, probably. With the crowbar, yeah. Naturally, Craig is going to need a very sad kind of digitized sounding death scream. Uh, la, 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 la. Yeah, I can, I can imagine it. I can't do it. 
of course, his entire identity is just on like a thumb drive, so we can pull it out and put him in something new. It's about time. So if anything, his death scream is actually just Craig being a bit of a drama queen. Oh, sir. Yeah, you don't really have to ham it up, Craig. We know that's just like a shell. He is a hermit crab. He kind of teehees. <laughs> so I guess at that. So did they did Craig and Stan come and get caught at the point where we let all the Russians through? Are we all still stuck at that place or did they took us? all? Yes, to the we're headquarters? we're we're still in the restaurant uh, because that's we Magoo, we magooed our way there like the 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 whatever reality bending powers of luck we have led us directly to the restaurant where straight woman and Plato are waiting to meet Craig and Stan. So they're very surprised to see us. And they're even more surprised to see all of these armed thugs that we are convinced are our best pals until we are once again tied to a metal chair. We, I really didn't see this coming. I'm shocked. (laughs) I like that. I gotta admit. I really didn't see this coming. That is going to earn us just a look of disgust from straight woman. Just like a sneer and a scoff. And then we're all this defensively. Hey, your plan failed too. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) You guys are the idiots. (laughs) Exactly. Looks to me like you got scores. It's two to two or whatever. Two zero. Yeah, your guys' plan failed twice. No no mention at all that both times was entirely because of our direct involvement. <laughs> yeah. I like that. We're a fo- we're a foil for the real protagonists. I guess during that bickering when we're all tied up, that's when a lieutenant would step through. Actually, uh I've been saving her. Okay. Craig and Stan are going to arrive now. They the windows are all tinted, so they can't exactly see that this place is full of, you know, armed guards and stuff. So they walk in. They think they expect a really quiet, you know, just like an almost empty restaurant. After all, they've read the the reviews on Yelp and uh, (laughs) nobody eats here. So they're going to walk in and they're going to freeze when they see the scene. And just as they turn to leave, guess who's darkening the doorway and blocking their exit? Ooh. Annabelle and a whole bunch of goddamn pirates. As the as the faint accordion theme strikes up. Naturally. And like, and uh and it turns out that it's actually Craig's voice box playing the music. <laughs> you don't have to do that every time, Craig. Yeah. I like that. I do like that line. Craig, you don't have to do that every time. And also as they're coming through the door, that's the line they're giving is don't worry. I read the Yelp reviews. Nobody eats here. That's the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously Stan and Craig are like, are you, are you sure this is safe? Don't worry. I read the Yelp reviews. Nobody eats here. So they walk in. The place is full of Russians. And now the actual machine is in. And they're all like, ah, the machine. I like the Russians. They're all just brawlers. Nobody. I don't know. I wasn't imagining everybody with guns. These are all just like Russian, like brawl, gang brawlers. But when they, when they, hold their arms up into fisticuffs position it makes a uh loading a gun sound oh this so, so the, they uh they brace for a fist fight they go into that ye old boxer pose and it goes you know the clack, one you'd clack. see in the one you'd see in old-fashioned art with men with really thick mustaches yeah and yeah go somebody's just cocked a gun 
Yeah. Some of them probably do have pistols, though. Be pretty oh, weird for these guys to be totally disarmed. You got to be properly Slavic. Yeah, some of them have Kalishnikovs. Some of them are armed with vodka bottles. Okay, so now they have everybody, and Annabelle shows up with actually heavily armed pirates. They have they have some like Abaddon space age rifles and stuff, like real guns, projected energy weapons, and crazy laser stuff. And in the door, she's doing because. She has, I believe she has a French accent, if I recall correctly. Yes, she does. She's coming in the door and she's like, ooh, he's causing all the trouble in here, kind of thing. And she yeah. sees us and it's just a withering look of you two. Yeah, I mean, because they, uh, I assume she was just given like coordinates to go to, to pick up the NFTs, because we were lured out there, or rather we were allowed to go so that we could lead the bad guys directly to our friends and the NFTs. But I doubt that anybody briefed Annabelle on the fact that Tucker and Todd were present. Because once again, they are beneath notice. So she can be legitimately surprised to see us, even though she knows more or less that she's here to kidnap people and collect the NFTs. Oh, you two. These are the prisoners that you were talking about? And and now it's time for Todd to have hearts for eyes. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Ah, oh, pirate mommy is here. Oh, Todd, you're breaking my balls. His whole body goes stiff. Oh yeah, he uh, he even makes that that sound effect as he kind of stiffens up. That it stiffens up and then falls over and slightly rattles back and forth like a. Oh oh no, he doesn't fall over, man. I think he stands erect. Oh yeah, he's just like. If anything, Plus, he was yeah. he was slouching before. He's he's tied to a chair, but he still manages to stand up when Annabelle enters the room. I'm thinking of a scene, and I think it's I think it's Bambi when the skunk gets Twitter pated. He goes stiff as a board, and then he like tips over and and rolls. It's like tumbles us several times. Man, it had been more than twenty years. So I had actually managed to completely remove Twitter painted from my vocabulary <laughs> and from my memories. And now I have to start that process all over again. It's back. It's in there. I guess it's just going to stay. Todd gets Twitter painted. It, gets, it got stuck in my head when I was a, uh, a, a preteen and a teenager because girls my age thought it was cute that I knew that word and could use it. And so it just got lodged there. Ah, it was almost tactical. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of tactical vocabulary that I absorbed through my teens. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Uh, it. It's taken on an entirely new context now in this age of Twitter, though. I imagine. Anyway, Todd gets Twitter painted. Now is when we get taken back to the headquarters. They're not going to try to disassemble uh, Craig here in the restaurant. So now we're going to be hauled off put into probably tossed into the back of some kind of armored truck or something in uh, much more effective handcuffs, all of us, except we're going to be like two of us each. Our, our teams are all going to be separated again into different trucks. So we're not all kept together. So now we have one last opportunity for each team of two to have a brief interaction before we return to the enemy headquarters. Uh, did you say they're in separate trucks? Yes. Tucker and Todd are in one truck. Stan and Craig are in one truck. Uh, Straight Woman and Plato are in one truck. We're all secured and and 
there's no escaping. We're, we're going to the bad guys headquarters, but there's an opportunity for each of us to have a very brief interaction with our, with our pairs as we commiserate our defeat, basically. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, would it be a thing where whether it's split screen or simply hopping back and forth, there's like a clear, um, clear opposites and contrasting. There's like a, 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 a scene of like calm serenity in one truck and then chaos in the other. I would be perfectly happy with a three way split screen and both Tucker and Todd and Plato and straight woman, both at the same time say those fucking idiots screwed this whole thing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And then, and then Stan and Craig are like, Oh man, I left all the marshmallows in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. They're just camping under each other still. Yeah. They're just kind of, they're just along for the ride. They're disappointed. But yeah, uh, Plato and Straight Woman and Tucker and Todd are both reaching the same conclusion that that it's the other pair that are completely Blame at fault that. for the the entire catastrophe of the both plans. So two of them, you know, two of those trucks, since they're saying the same thing, they can go off at the same time, and then it can kind of focus on Craig and Stan. And Stan's just like, "Oh man, I love all the marshmallows in the restaurant." So he just kind of shifts uncomfortably and probably has to reapply some of his poison ivy cream. And do you know where are they heading to? They are heading back to the bad guy's base on the island where where all the enemy NFTs are. They're now all going to come together. Did we start off fairly close to the mountain and this entire time we've been getting increasingly farther and farther away from it? Like with no, uh, we start the dumpster is on the far end of the island away from the uh, from the mountain. So is the headquarters in the mountains Sorry, I was just the, head, the headquarters is we'll say the headquarters is at the base of the mountain. OK, on one side, the opposite side from which our original intended drop zone is. Right. OK, I get it. So we're going to be back at the mountain real close. At the uh, the bad guy's base, that's where they're keeping the NFTs in like a safe vault. We're going right to go back to our interrogation room. Have they? Have they at this point extracted the NFTs from Craig? Is he all dismantled? No, we're going to be. Do you remember that? Do you remember when uh, we tossed one of the not child assassins right down a duct? Yeah, these trucks are going to these trucks are going to do the same thing to us in pairs. There's like a, a little chute on this on the side of the building wall, and each truck is going to pull up to it and then like tip and flip us out into the uh, chute two by two. And then we're all going to land and fall on each other in the interrogation room, which will soon have Annabelle's thugs pile in, one of whom has a crowbar. So we're actually going to do the we're going to do a Walking Dead scene where uh, Craig gets murdered right in front of everybody. (laughs) So, yeah, he's going to be disassembled with a crowbar right in front of us. And then we actually get to we get to turn it into a moment of levity. Like it looks like a, a grisly, terrible scene. And then we tell Craig that he doesn't have to be such a drama queen. And then we pull out his USB stick because that's the real Craig. And he's just kind of hee hee. The, the, does the, the USB stick goes hee hee? Uh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Stan, Stan is the one who goes and pulls the USB stick out. First, first Stan is quite upset because, I mean, he is still kind of person, person, personalized this talking computer, even though like the, uh, the identity of it is quite fine it's removable that's what he's been used to though yeah so so it's he's attached it to his memories that's that's craig so he's he's quite upset at first and then he's just he kind of remembers that 
that's not Craig. That's just like his hermit crab shell. So he's like, ah, you don't have to be such a drama queen. And he pulls the USB stick out and he hee hee because it tickles, I guess. And then it cuts and maybe it sounds we, we hear the sound of us putting a USB in something and then it cuts to black and then it's opening up from Craig's perspective as he's opening his eyes. He's looking around as the new from the new body that he's in. And it's something like extremely cumbersome and like awful and awkward and huge. And he's like, what the oh. fuck, you guys? And we're like laughing. He doesn't have his new body. yet. That's a that's a that's a start of next season kind of thing. Oh, is it? OK. Yeah. Stan gets to just kind of pocket it. The alternative is he gets to go in the like the the butt plug USB holder. If you remember right, that, <laughs> I don't think we need to do that again. <laughs> so he just goes and stands like Stan probably has a belly pouch. So he just goes in the pocket. Do we do that as like an inside joke? Then we hand him to Stan. And as we're handing him, Craig's screaming, no, and Stan <laughs> says, like, don't worry. I've, I've not again. I've grown. Yeah, we're not doing that again. It was never yeah. a comfortable fit for either of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> Stan still had to wear it. So he just puts him in the belly pouch. Because um, the the end conclusion of this is Tucker and Todd are trapped in the outside. I think Plato and Straight Woman, Stan and Craig are going to get away. Everybody else gets away? Everybody else but Tucker and Todd get away. And so the beginning of the very beginning of the season opener next time would be Craig opening his eyes. I think that would be a perfect start to the next episode. Craig opening his eyes as Plato, Straight Woman and Stan are like running for, on the lamb or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're bringing them back online. They're probably living on the road on the move. But Tucker and Todd are not there. No, they're not there. Okay, good. I, I think so. I, I get that. Did you specifically describe the scene in which that occurs? They got this stuff out of Craig. Yeah, they, they, they've dismantled Craig. They now have all the NFTs. They are taking all 12 of them to Mount Poon. Our intention was to use the mountain to destroy them. They're going to use the mountains, the mountain to kind of unify them into the mommy myth all into one. The one, the one NFT to rule them all. The one thing. Yeah. So they're going to turn them into the NFT, which kind of turns the mountain itself into the gaping hole through which the outside starts pouring into our reality. When you put all together the not finite tokens, they turn into the now finite token. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to infinity. <laughs> yeah. Because it's going to turn out that each one of them is touched with a little bit of outside juice. And now and it's going to it's going to reach a critical mass. Yeah. And I'm very much envisioning something similar to the Shadowlands cinematic. Oh, you mean the way the sky split open? Yeah. And immediately is like. <laughs> yeah. Only it's going to be a mountain that does it. So it's going to be bottom up instead of top down. Oh, I like that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very because uh, in that cinematic, like the sky is not localized, right? That's that's a sky over a massive region of the planet. Yeah, this will be very localized at first, but it will start to spread. It's it's basically going to create like a, a reality warping tumor that's going to start spreading. I expect weird blue glowing veins and arteries to start spreading out of it and spreading the contagion. Because are you imagining it's funneling out out of the sky down into the ground or it's funneling out of the ground down into a void? It's it's funneling directly up out of Mount Poon. Mount Poon is yeah, now right, right. that this this volcano that is the source of all crypto is now going to be the source of 
just fucking entropy. Yeah. So they com- they com- they use a ritual to combine all the NFTs into they they do it all full Voltron. They assemble them. Oh, and, and then they, they drop it. Yeah. There's a reverby echo of Elrond Hubbard like cackling. <laughs> yeah. And it's all it's all <laughs> echoey in, in, in a large space. And then he like appears in the room and like kind of like does a flourish and then the vent opens up. Yeah, they they use the 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 newly assembled NFTs to kind of like rip kind of like a, a little a little butthole in reality. That was a good cackle. That was chilling. <laughs> Okay, I just green goblin. Yeah, that's that's kind of the energy I was going for. So they rip open this void, this tear, and uh, Elrond. Now, thanks to the the power of the NFTs, he is forcibly reassembled just as they have been, and he's drawn back out of the outside. But the tear won't close. Do we do a uh, subver- subversion of like a, a nightmare situation in which the like the, all the crazy uh, crescendo music is going on and the the wind is whipping everybody's hair and debris around and Elrond is there and um, one of the the cultists like like kneels down and starts kissing his finger or whatever or his ring or whatever and and the music cuts off and it becomes very awkward and Elrond is doing that like stop it I don't like it when you do that I've told you before yeah. This guy's done this before. He's been reported to HR like seven times. <laughs> that would be funny if Elrond is is threatening to report him to HR again. This will be the last time, Thomas. <laughs> That's sexual harassment, and we will not have this in our workplace. We are professionals. Anyways, turns back to doing something like catastrophically evil. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, where were we? And then the, they try to they try to close the tear, but it won't close. And in fact, the tear sucks the combined NFTs right out of their hands and into the tear. Ooh, I like that. So they're no longer even on this plane. They're they're now in the in, the outside. So the uh, the idea there is that the thing we need to close that tear is now inside of it. Then the tear. Like the tear that's basically floating in the air at the mouth of this volcano falls in because it's not it's not bound by location. So it falls into the 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 kind of the belly of the volcano and then it causes it to erupt. Are we presumably going to have to hunt them down to reclose the the wound? Yeah, that that is my idea. I think that works. So, yeah, now now Mount Poon is erupting. The The crypto is all outside corrupted so it's it's not crypto anymore it's now corrupto currency i like that yeah so it that liquid oozing crypto currency is now f- starting to flood out of the mouth of this volcano and is quickly going to threaten the entire island so the bad guys are all now in full red alert they're uh, evacuating they're not evacuating mm-hmm. any of the civilians from the island or anything of course and they're definitely not going to try and save that restaurant it's a failure it's a write-off yeah uh the dumpster they don't care uh annabelle probably takes that airship though oh of course she has the means she probably has like a ship with like uh you know the claw game she has like a claw that just comes out the bottom of her ship and picks it up well wouldn't she also recognize it yes and she's like i know who this belongs to i've got and and i know the couple of idiots who definitely trashed it (laughs) Which uh, is why Annabelle is going to be the one who uh, 
actually gives Tucker and Todd the push so that they get eaten by the goop. Are we going to say that? Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, does she give them like an actual kick? Yeah, something like that. Maybe, maybe this is Sparta. When... Oh, so when somebody is impacted or affected by the 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 crypto corrupt the corrupto the corruption, do we say that they got corruptoed or corrupted, or do we say that they got encrypted? They probably. <clears throat> I'm not sure which, if any, we would say. Do we? Do we? I guess we do. Kind of need a term for it, and we need to decide how consistent it will be. But I mean, since it's the outside. It's totally random as to what happens to you when you get exposed to this stuff. They went to the moon. Like it can transport you to another place or time. It can transform you into like a, I don't know, like a cheese and bacon sandwich. It can disintegrate you into a fine powder that's like pure methamphetamine. It can do just about anything. Because it's the outside. Yeah, it uh, it doesn't obey those kinds of rules. So whatever, it just like depending on what you're even thinking about might influence what happens. But everybody, oh, everybody's escaping. Got a, they got evicted. Yeah, everybody is escaping. Uh, the bad guys are no longer concerning themselves with us. They're focusing on getting the hell out of there so they don't do anything to inhibit our escape. Yeah. So uh, Stan in the USB stick, Plato, straight woman is carrying Stan because Stan's got stupid little teddy bear legs. He's not running for it. He's carrying the USB stick. Straight woman's carrying him. Plato's running. He's leading the troop. They think we're right behind them. Annabelle gets even with us and kicks us into the flood and shuts the door. Some some door in the facility as we're trying to exit. I'm going to assume like there's a there's a mountain path that leads right into like the back door of the the bad guy base and we need to go yeah, out the front door. Yeah. So she basically kicks us into the sludge and then shuts the door and then she legs it out of there, goes and gets the airship and gets out of there. So, but yeah, Annabelle kicks us in. She's the one who defeats us. And is so is that kind of like the last scene of this episode? The cliffhanger is like our fingers disappearing as we sink down into the goo? Yeah, and I think that's another opportunity to do the Terminator thumbs up. <laughs> but it's a thumbs down. Yeah, <laughs> obvious. Definitely a thumbs down. Just and and since Todd has the longer arms, he probably gets to do it much longer. So so the boys get sucked in. Uh, tragic music plays. Everybody else kind of get kind of gets out, and uh, they stop when they get outside of the the building proper, out the front side. And they're like, "Wait, where where are the boys? I thought they were right behind me." And then just then, like the the building itself starts to collapse and fizzle and they're like ah no time we gotta go we can't talk about this anymore or are we doing later. A, are we doing a clever word thing where it's like they go wait where are the boys i think they're still inside everything crumbles plato says very gravely hopefully they got outside or no they're oh, outside. hopefully they got outside i like that that is some foreshadowing that's very yeah. very unsubtle throw it at the audience like a brick Okay, so is that the last we see of us, or is there some kind of post-credit scene where it's actually Tucker and Todd floating around in the outs, the void of the outside, being like, "I guess this is me now." <laughs> that could be a Tucker. Yeah, I mean, that could be a post-credit sequence. Yeah, that works. I was gonna say you just see our bodies floating around anti-gravity over the credits. Yeah, I'm okay with that, so long as we've got the outside-down background in there. 
maybe it plays the outside down the outside down the outside music oh yeah okay so everybody escapes the island uh everybody basically just runs for it uh maybe it will be left vague as to exactly how straight woman and plato and stan get off the island because right now they have no way maybe they just find a robot i mean this is a tourist destination there are still boats yeah i think i don't think we don't even see that far i think we see them get away and they're able to make that like observation or say that line and i think that is where it would cut and then some imagination can be used to make up the distance in between and it can either catch up with them well yeah we don't we don't have to be explicit that they get off we can just be implicit there are there, if there are as many ways to get off the island as there are to get onto it, and I mean, cutting forward in time always just provides an opportunity to make a joke about what happened in the interim, anyways. Yeah, everybody looks at each other all shifty-eyed. We don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We promised we wouldn't talk about Canada. Yeah, Plato. Plato hasn't been the same since it cuts to Plato, and he's like in totally different clothes. He shaved his hair. He's got a mohawk, and he's got like a barcode on his head. <laughs> just tattooed on the side there he's gone full cyberpunk it's all yeah he's all dressed his, his, his clothes is all like patches and studs i mean technically the beginning of the next season is going to be kind of post-apocalyptic in in some places so we can go full like cyberpunk and dystopian with a lot yeah. of it and plato's kind of made for it because i mean he's like he's he's almost as cybernetic as annabelle is true I mean, they probably know the same guy. Yeah, they probably have the same cyberware surgeon. Who's like a, a John Hurt kind of character. A grizzled old man. Yeah, yet he's somehow a savant and he's and he's fully learned. He's fully tuned in on all the newest stuff. But he's he's a grizzled, world-weary old guy. Definitely played by Harrison Ford or something. Ooh, that's interesting. Harrison Ford is really good now at playing the world-weary old guy. I would love to see Harrison Ford in a in a as a side character. He always has to maybe be he should, a leading role. Maybe he should be Decker because from uh, his own favorite cyberpunk movie. What is that? Blade Runner? Yes. Blade Runner was an excellent cyberpunk movie. I think most people consider it the best of all the cyberpunk movies. It probably is. Uh, Matrix is probably the next one. And yes, the Matrix is still cyberpunk, even though they spend most of the time in this the simulation yeah okay so everybody gets off the island uh we too are flung into the outside elrond is resurrected and is more powerful than ever in fact he now has like powers yeah before he was just a guy but now he's all imbued with the outside powers he's really been through it and the more of the outside that leaks into our reality the more powerful he gets that makes sense which means if we close the tear, he'll be he'll lose his powers. So that's that's the only way to beat him. Sorry, everybody. I spoiled it, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm looking I'm looking forward to all of the evil plans that he will have time to manifest in the time that it takes us to find the M- NFTs to close the portals and the, the, the grand scheme that we'll be able to interrupt there. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to to start exploring the outside more. Well, I think we're going to meet meet some. I think we might meet the aliens that you were talking about. Yeah, I uh, I haven't written up the part about native life forms or if there even are any or if anything that we find there actually just comes from like other material realities. 
Well, I think at one point, didn't we? We'll have to dig into everything. And now we're just discussing. We we finished that story. Now we're just discussing ancillary things. Yeah, that story is um, over. We're what, we're currently floating during the end credits. Didn't while we, we talk? While we talk over it. Didn't we talk about a Bermuda Triangle, a play on the Bermuda Triangle that had something to do with the outside? Oh, probably it. Uh, I'm sure that uh, some component of my write up of the outside applies to something like the Bermuda Triangle. Weird, unexplained occurrences definitely involve echoes from the outside. So the Bermuda Triangle, that's definitely the outside. Uh, goblin sharks, those are from the outside for sure. The angler, yeah. anglerfish, those those deep sea ugly things, anglerfish, goblin sharks, those are all mutated by the outside for sure. Those can't possibly be natural. Anything that lives below 60 meters. <laughs> yeah, those things are horrifying. How crazy? I've never thought about that, but how crazy would it be if they just found a portal to another dimension undersea and that's where all those things got blooped deep out in, of? Deep in the Mariana Trench? Yeah. <laughs> There's some kind of like just a shimmering rift like, uh, oh, like in Pacific Rim. They've already made a movie about this premise. We can't do it. <laughs> okay, I, well. I will that's... have to write up more on the outside. I I haven't yet decided if it has real native life forms or if other things just kind of wind up being refugees there and kind of get mutated by it until they're, they might as well be native. Please do. I'm looking forward to it. And we also, we need some enemy designs for our outside level. So I will think about that as well. Also, uh, Eldritch abominations and other Lovecraftian things. The outside is definitely responsible for that. Of course. Columbo goes there and he's like, Hmm, smells like home what do you have i can't remember the proper name of the uh the whatever the the really the language the real yay or whatever cthulhu photog and i don't know if it i don't know what the the name of the language was either i don't if know he if he was ever able had one if his, he was able to mutter something like oh i love the smell of <laughs> in the morning yeah <laughs> smells like victory yeah. <laughs> because he's actually just he's now in full metal jacket that was full metal jacket right i think that was platoon napalm in the morning oh shows how much i know that was apocalypse now i don't we don't know fucking anything <laughs> no i knew it was one of those but in my mind they blur into each other because of the a lot of the the themes are really closely associated. I think, I'd, yeah, I agree. And I also think that we should have some, since we're going to be in this like new, uh, like resetting the table kind of situation, we could do some hard darkness uh, motifs of like, we can do some Apocalypse Now stuff. We can run into uh, some general who was sent into the outside years ago to gain control of some section and lost his mind as he was like in exile or whatever. Oh yeah, well there there's lots of opportunity to encounter people who have disappeared there or like mythological figures, all kinds of stuff. People who have faked their own death. Yeah, there that's probably the single best place you could ever drop off the grid. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein is there. <laughs> uh that's i mean bill cosby was there once <laughs> he's the only person who has successfully left yeah he uh he comes and goes which suggests to me that he might be uh not a person but an entity 
That's curious. Because Columbo comes and goes. Ah, okay, here we are, crossing over the line. Bill Cosby comes and goes, and you don't even know. Oh, I mean, I, I set us up for that. I should have known better. <laughs> he, really, that, he really does come and go. That expression, whoever came up with the expression come and go and then decided that we could sexualize it, they doomed language. Yeah, I think that's the end of it. Language is it's all downhill from here. Essentially. Anyways, this is it's all down here. Yeah. From the end of this. Yeah, episode. it's all downhill from here. I think we're done. We're now this theory crafting for the next season. We which, are doing that, which means that this is the end of this season, which means that we have made 39 episodes of the Tucker and Todd cast, and we're three quarters of the way through our first year, everybody. 30 more, and we'll be at the magic number. Oh, my God. Nice. Almost the sex number. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone who might tune in. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming along on this journey. Um, keep tucking your Todd. <laughs> yeah. Should our catchphrase be fuck catchphrases or fu- fuck podcasts or something like that? Fuck catchphrases. We don't want to fuck yeah. podcasts. That's going to that's going to uh, awaken the ghost of Bob Saget because he's no, going to tell us not to. Don't don't <laughs> fuck podcasts and get a rash. Did have we had any? Did we we? I think we mentioned it in the chat, but we have we haven't had any time to talk about the Neil Young thing, have we? No. Um. I think I think I did mention and saying how many are. Oh, yeah, because you talked about scruples and, and money and all those sorts of things. Uh, you heard that Joni Mitchell backed him up. I did not. Oh, so Joni Mitchell said the same thing. She said, I'm with Neil Young. Take my music off. And that is cool. I was telling my mom, I said, I think that's cool because Joni Mitchell actually represents something to people like Neil Young has had his day. Like people who care about Neil Young are the same age as Neil Young. And yeah, they 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 don't use Spotify. No, but I think Joni Mitchell still represents a strong, like, feminine hero character to a lot of people, even our age. Uh, so I think that's cool. But it's still nowhere near enough. But Spotify did say that they would start addressing it. So it's something. Well, yeah, they're starting to see their bottom line slip. So that is good. Yeah, kind of cool. It's just because I think I in my my understanding is that artists don't really make money from Spotify. So I don't think anybody's really worried about money. But I think it's free marketing for them, essentially. Yeah, it's uh, it's. If they don't make money from it, it is a loss leader in that it causes them to make more money from other sources through increased exposure and marketing. Right. And through them, Spotify makes money. So if they leave, Spotify has fewer listeners, etc. Of course. So Spotify is incentivized to keep them happy. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. And good luck to you, our, our noble, brave listeners and Craig. As you navigate this life. Anyways. Yeah. Have a good and night, and whatever's outside of it. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Fuck catchphrases. Fuck catchphrases. Fuck endings. Fuck endings. Goodbye. Bye.